Blog Talk Radio.
And I want to welcome everyone to another episode on this Blog Talk Radio. How's everybody doing tonight? This is the Five Minutes on Network, and I hope that this blog finds you doing well, feeling well, as they say, blessed and highly favored. Well, folks, I want to just thank you again for your time. I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you, especially those loyal followers. Loyal followers since 2011. I just can't thank you enough. I mean it. I really mean it. I appreciate it. Um, those of us that do these blogs, uh, it, <laughs> it it really means a lot to sign on and see people um, already ready to go. It just means a lot to us. So just know that uh, we really appreciate the love. Uh, tonight, we're just going to be dealing with um, racism. I'm writing a book, folks, on racism, white supremacy, and I'm doing some shows. I'll be doing a lot of shows on white supremacy slash black inferiority. Um, and I'm doing these shows kind of to jog my memory. I know it's kind of sound weird. I'm actually doing these shows just like a, uh, to just get more ammunition for the book. As I talk about these things, I uh, things come up that um, I hadn't thought about for years. I don't know why it happens like that, but I can be sitting around and won't think anything. As soon as I do these shows, things all pop it up in my head. So I thought I would do some shows on racism. This is going to be a series, um, probably about five shows straight. And, um, again, it's to help with the book that I'm going to be writing. I'm going to write about the book about us being Israelites, but I figured to do that one second because a lot of people – can't receive information from me or from a, from a lot of you because they're already full of something. And what they're full of is white supremacy. Uh, when you've been brainwashed in America to worship this idol of whiteness and you everything you learn in life, you see in life, is interpreted through this whiteness, this white supremacy uh, slash black inferiority same coin, one side you have white supremacy, the philosophy, the lies, the deceptions, and on the other side of the coin you have black inferiority. If white is superior, what is superior to? So you can't have white supremacy without the philosophy of black inferiority. A lot of blacks say, oh, I'm not a white supremacist, but they practice black inferiority, they do things all the time. They act inferior, talk inferior, and um, they got that from whiteness, from the philosophy. So tonight, I don't want to demonize white people. That's not what this show is about. Um, I'm not scared of white people. If they need to be demonized, I demonize them. But it just so happened I've come to realize that whites are not our enemy. The Bible says it like this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness, and high place in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians. So I've learned that my enemy, folks, tonight, um, I'll go ahead and give you the first word. We will need a formal definition. My enemy, my enemy is simply Satan and his kingdom. It's also ignorance. Ignorance can cause you a lot of pain. I'm reminded of a scripture that says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. I'm reminded of other scriptures that talk about suffering brought on to uh, us as a people or us as, as, as Israelites, oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded, well, let's just, I'll just go ahead and just say it like this. The Bible says my people pay for his lack of knowledge. 
And so it's not just the people of the scriptures. Anybody and everybody perish for not knowing. It can cost you your life. And then my other enemy, third enemy, is deception. Some people have a little bit of truth, but some lie involved in that. And that's where a lot of us are at. We, we know some things to be real, but we also have some lies in that. And that is the enemy that will eat, eat away at you and cause you to live a short life, be in bad health, poverty, and all the curses that the scriptures talk about. So lies uh, is, an, is, 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 is an enemy. I'm going to say it like this. Complete wrong information in our heads is an enemy. Half truth, half lie is an enemy in our heads as well. And then no information, which we call ignorance, is an enemy as well. And then, like I said, we have evil spirits. So there's four different things that come in our world that causes calamity, problems, death and destruction, and that is who Brother Seth called the enemy. And I get that straight from the scriptures. Now, I know the Bible told Israel when they, if they disobey, they're going to be taken to the land of their enemy, but Father already told them certain things that was going to happen to them, so you can't blame those people for punishing the Israelites according to prophecy as being like the enemy. I know the scripture says that. I'm not trying to shortchange the scripture, but I'm saying if Israel never disobeyed or when they ever decide to obey, guess what? The Most High will no longer use those people to to, to uh, 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 invoke his punishment on. So anyway, kind of got off a little bit, but not really, because that's what we're talking about tonight, white supremacy. And I want to go ahead and welcome someone to the show that's going to be with me tonight, and that is going to be Arlene, my wife. She is going to be with us tonight, and I welcome her. I always enjoy when Arlene joins me. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, it just means a, a lot, folks, whenever your wife joins you on these shows. Uh, she's very good at not just critiquing me, but, but uh, allowing the, the Ruach Kadesh or the Holy Spirit to use her to say this, that, and the other. So, Arlene, go ahead and say hello to the people. You might want to scoot a little closer because that phone can go so far. Uh, we're in the studio uh, provided by Novus Solution, a.k.a. John Clark's uh, <laughs> company. So there he is in Kenya. We're in his office. So, John, I want you to know the office is really nice, big windows, and uh, we'll come to you in a little bit. But, uh, Arlene, I want you to say hello to the people. Now, I want you to something else. I want you to read the show's description. And um, this is what we're dealing with tonight. Many of you call the phone number every week. You have no idea what we're talking about tonight. So we'll read the show's description where everybody will be on the same accord, uh, one accord as to what the topic will be. So, again, Arlene is going to say hello to everybody, and she's going to read the show's description uh, for today's, today's show. Um, go ahead and say hello, everybody. I'm hello, Arlene. everybody. This is Arlene. I'm glad to be here with you today. And John, you know I love you. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here, and I'm glad you're here. Now, this is the show's description. The title is White Supremacy, A Tale of Two Countries. Over the years, we've discussed the ever-invasive teaching of white supremacy ad nauseum. We now have a different angle that we will be exploring on today's show. We have our faithful moderator, John D. Clark, on location in Nairobi, Kenya. Yeah. And he has been there since February of this year, 21. We all can be assured that John has enjoyed the sights and scenes of Kenya, but we can also be certain he has been cognizant of the social atmosphere while in Africa. 
as we as we now can get a firsthand report of how white supremacy has affected an African nation, as explained by indigenous Kenyans, as well as our own moderator, John will be joined by his Kenyan host, Diana Awar, and please help me pronounce her name. Awar. Awar. Awar, okay. Who lives in Kenya and is somewhat of an activist in her own right, as stated by John. Yes, We will get more information on that. It is these types of perspectives from persons abroad that allow us to further shape our own perspectives here at home. You don't have to miss the opportunity to see, or you don't want to miss this opportunity to see firsthand how we are seen as well as uh, how our movement is seen from those in other countries. So don't miss it. And you're here today to hear that. When you think of that, Arlene, that introduction is pretty, pretty detailed, yeah, isn't it? It's very detailed and it sets some high expectations. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yes, yes. Russian didn't have a chance to go and get something to eat. So listen, tonight, or this morning in Texas and in Ohio, well, in the United States, but if you're in a Kenyan, uh, it's going to be in the evening. And again, I want to welcome those of you from the motherland listening all the way in Kenya. Thank you for supporting the show as well. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go into the line and open up and get our friend, our old ex-moderator. I shouldn't say ex, because he's still the moderator whenever we start on shows again. But let's open up the line, get a little intro music, a little something, a little, a little sassy something here. Let's see what we got. I like that. Okay, folks, again, John Clark, and a lot of y'all know him. He did a lot of our shows. And uh, John is, is well-loved by Brother Seth and And I, I'm thankful he has um, thought to do this interview all the way from Kenya, everybody, and uh, just, just to talk about some of the experiences he had. Uh, so we'll go to the phone lines and bring him on. Eric code 972. He has a Texas phone number, but he is for sure in Kenya. Brother John, you there? Brother Seth, it is so good to hear you and Arlene again. <laughs> <laughs> You've been there long enough to get an accent. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite song. He wish. He wish. So first and so please. <laughs> How are so, y'all doing? Uh, uh, doing good, doing good, John. <laughs> good. Arlene, so, 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 Arlene yeah. my counselor, <laughs> how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I am excited to be able to talk to you today, and I'm doing well, John. But right, you are right. greatly missed. Just know that. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a quick disclaimer. Literally, the internet was off from 11 a.m. to approximately 5.30, 6 o'clock p.m. And, um, it, you know, be it the internet or the electric, the electric or whatever, it, while it's relatively stable, it's just not what you can expect in the U.S. as far as, you know, the time that it's up. So, you know, the the phone, I, I lost the call three times 
show has been on. So, um, you know, I'm just giving you a heads up. Well, everybody hear you, and so if something go down, we know that it wasn't you. Um, John, again, I want to thank you for the interview. I really do appreciate your time. And Miss Awar, uh, let me go ahead and say hello to Diana Awar. Uh, how are you doing, Diana? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing okay, doing okay. Hopefully y'all can hear us okay. We're talking to cell phone. On a speaker, it's my first time doing that. But Arlene can't use her phone because she'll get a, um, a feedback. Feedback. But uh, go ahead, Miss Award, and tell us a little bit about you and uh, how's life there in Kenya. Um, my name is Diana Rose Award. Uh, I live in Kenya, and as John described earlier. <laughs> I always consider myself an activist in my own right because there are certain things that I see, the certain things that I, I do see and there. Because I started uh, community work, I did community development, and I've worked for the communities in the villages, and it was interesting, it was fun. And during during my time working there, I had so many experiences that I've been sharing with people, and I've been talking to people about my experiences back in the villages, how people live there, and how us in Kenya we call it tribalism has affected uh, people many areas, especially people in, in the village. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, we really appreciate, again, Diane, you being on uh, tonight there, of course, and this morning here. And uh, we just hope to glean from... I'm not a politician, uh, though. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) I'm I'm not not a politician. politician. (laughs) I'm not a politician. I'm just... No. uh, No, we're just believers in Christ. Uh, We're just... Uh, 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 we're just being circumspect, as they say in the scriptures. We're just simply um, uh, watching what's going on. The Bible talks about being being watchful and, and being prayerful. And we just we just don't want to be beguiled by this system of white supremacy that is global. And we talk a lot about it in the states, uh, how it affects every tiny aspect yeah. of our life. If there's people breathing. And they was raised in America for sure. Uh, I think the world, but for now, I'll just talk about America. If they're born in America, raised in America, taught by Americans' institutions, American institutions, they are practicing racism, black or white, because that's all we are ever taught in America. <laughs> if we see things from the white perspective, the white perspective, if we see Africa, if we've been in school and we're educated from in, about Africa, it's going to be from a white perspective, from a white supremacist perspective. They're never going to give Africa the proper glory. They're never going to give India the proper glory. They'll say good things about India here and there and in Africa here and there, but they're never going to give it quite the glory that is due it. And so we never learn to love Africans. We never learn to love dark-skinned people. Not truly, not in a healthy way. We have a, uh, this kind of pseudo-love or whatever, but uh, we give our strength to white supremacy. We give our 
love and admiration to whiteness. Our, 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 the way we worship the creator is even through a whiteness standpoint. I mean, when we worship the creator, we worship him through the lens of whiteness. When we see each other, we worship, uh, we see each other through the lens of whiteness. So it's serious. White supremacy is serious. And tonight we just want to have Brother John talk about some of his experiences. And uh, we are going to have a great time tonight. So, again, welcome, Diane. Welcome, Diane. Welcome. All right, uh, Mr. John, I'm putting you in here. Thank you so much. uh, What did you say? I said thank you. Oh, thank you. I thank, you. thank you. Well, John, yeah. you, you know how this goes, John. You, you've been moderating for this for a good while. So I want to just start off and just ask you, um, let me make sure I've covered everything here. Y'all give me one little second. I did thank the callers. Okay. Uh, folks, I did mention this early in our intro, and I try to this every, at the beginning of every show. Please forgive me. But those of you that want to know more about Five Swoop Stones, what the Five Swoop Stones are, or you want to know more about any of the topics you hear coming up tonight or this morning, remember, you can Google Five Swoop Stones, Blog Talk Radio, and you will get our site on Blog Talk. Just simply, uh, just simply click on our site, and you just have your um, pick of the various topics. We have over 400 and, oh, 450 shows. So, again, anything we talk about, anything you hear and you want to know more about, um, you can simply contact Blog Talk Radio, Five Smooth Stone, uh, over, uh, you can type it in the search engine at Google and get uh, information on the show. So, all right, we're going to go back to the phone lines. Uh, John dropped his back. And so, Brother John, I want to start off with a question for you. And and uh, Diane can uh, Diana can just hop in and ad lib here and there whenever she wants. All right. So John, your line is now open. And my question to you, John, is what kind of experiences with regards to racism or white supremacy slash black inferiority, which is our definition of racism, really? Again, teachings of whites being superior, teachings of blacks being inferior, be it in speech, thought, or action. Again, in speech, it may be in speech you hear something. It may be in thought you hear something. It may be in action you hear something. So what have you seen there in Kenya? Well, there are a couple of things that I want to bring to bear. Uh, However, if I may, Seth, which I really want to focus on just for a quick moment, I want to cameo white supremacy and exactly what it is, because we say it all the time, but a lot of people, they really are not aware. They, they know that it's somewhat uh, of um, an understanding of the oppression that people of color deal with when it pertains to white people. But I would like to just kind of drill down into that just a tad. Is it all right if I do that? Right ahead. Great. Thank you. And, and the reason why I want to do that is because I had gone years on, you know, even on your show, and I did not know what I know now. And this is not a result of coming to Kenya. This is something I realized in the U.S., but it became more pronounced when I got here to Kenya. But, folks, 
white supremacy has not always been status quo. This white supremacy is actually a philosophy and a teaching. And um, while I can't give you the time frame as to when it began, um, it, it is something that began wherein people who may have had large influences upon society as a whole, be it politicians, be it um, the, the persons who uh, dealt with religion, um, education, or whatever the case may be, it's, it's almost as if they all were in perfect agreement to create a understanding that the persons that were of, uh, had no melanin, that being primarily white people, had no melanin, were superior. It's a teaching. And it, it was like they, would, they switched facts, they lied, they changed everything to support this teaching, and everyone in the yes, world yes, has yes. eaten it up. And it's important Absolutely. that you understand that because during the time of Rome, there was no white supremacy. There, there, there were nationalities. And, and as Seth has stated on other shows previously, that white and black, those are not races. There is the human race, and then there are nationalities. White and black, those are just hues of skin, brown, yellow, if you will, uh, hues of skin color. That is not a race. But that's what they call it in the United States and primarily the West, and, and they, they, they permeate the rest of the world with this teaching, and the rest of the world eats it up. And so um, it's important to understand that this is a teaching that, that many people have embraced. Why? Because they were teaching it to you at the same time. You were saying, I pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> 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 right right after you said that, they began teaching you that from being in kindergarten. Matter of fact, even before kindergarten, what you watch on TV, it, these are it, – it's everywhere. And it's, it's, it's coming to an end. It's, the time has come to an end. So I just wanted to bring that out initially. Thanks, Seth, for letting me get that out. And right. it because it's important that people understand that this thing has not always existed. It, it, even when white people existed, this didn't exist. There was a period in time when persons, probably someone dealing specifically with a high-ranking demonic spirit, was given this information on how to subdue the world. And it Absolutely. has worked like a charm. And, and I want to say this because the Bible has, Please, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, please, Seth. I love talking and getting into a rhythm and then having you jump in and, no, just go. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I miss you. (laughs) Well, folks, he is right. And what I want to say, it's going to sound controversial now. I'm telling you, we're going to jump out in third gear. We ain't going to even hit first gear. Diane, I want you to watch what your friend and I are about to do here. I want you all to watch this. Listen very carefully, those of you on the phone lines. Somebody might say, where is God in this? How does 8% of the world's population control 92%? If we are equal or they're equal, how are they able to dominate? 
It's like one white guy said in a, in a debate. If we're so evil, black people, why come you can't? Why can't y'all can't can't catch us? Why come y'all can't? Why y'all can't overcome us? If even if we're more evil, that still means we're superior, even though it's evil. Even though it's evil, if you can't do what we're doing and stop us, while we're winning, you are inferior. So let me just share something I believe, and the Bible will back me up. The scripture talks about in Joel 2 how the Father would chastise the earth pretty much, especially starting with Israel. And he says, Israel, cry out for mercy because I'm about to destroy you for what you've done, or punish you is a better word. He says in Joel to the book of Joel, it's in the Old Testament, and he says something strange about this people. He says there has never been a people like this before, and there will never be another people like this for many generations. So this is not no common everyday people. They're going to happen in Joel 2 when he pour out his spirit upon all flesh and we believe that's what the book of Acts, when they begin to speak in tongues, that was Joel 2. It talks about how he was going to pour out his spirit upon humanity. What had happened in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost came down. But he says the same time when that power is given to mankind, there is going to come a wicked nation like never before. And he describes them. And he said there's never going to be another people like this people that's going to come upon the land like I'm going to do, like he is going to call because they pretty much, he, he goes on to say they're his army, because they're, they're, they're carrying out something the Most High is wanting to do to the planet, but starting with Israel. And he says they're going to gather captivity as the sand. He goes on to say, I'm going to make this short, that nobody is going to escape these people. He says before them, when, before they come to a place, it's like the Garden of Eden, but after they leave, a wilderness. He goes on to say they run up, they rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is this army that's going to carry out my word. His word is judgment upon Israel and upon all of the inhabitants of the earth. Well, that was back then. But remember what he said: there's never going to be another people like this until many generations. I believe Europeans as we know them today are those people. I can prove it. Listen to what he says further in Joel 2 about these people. And I don't want to take too much time to do a Bible study, but it already is. Folks, listen. It says that they would not break rank. They won't go against each other. And that's how they rule the world. You get this part of Africa, I get that part of Africa. They may have little skirmishes there in Europe early on, but once they begin to dominate, they don't go against each other. They don't break rank. That's what the Bible says. It says they won't care for the young or the old. you got to read Joel, too. It's a trip. And you see there's every generation, every, every empire that rules the world, they don't act like the people in Joel, too. He says there's going to be a people like this when I pour out my spirit, and then there won't be another people like this for many generations. I believe these are those people. But what's important to note here is I believe 
in order to break down Israel, that's who he really wanted to punish, Israel, because they was his firstborn. He gave his law to Israel. The other nations are trying to here and there, they worship the Father, so they're going to get it too. They're going to get the belt too. So I look at the Europeans as a belt, but they're called by the Most High. But they're called by the Most High. They think it's their might. They think it's their intellect. They think it's all about them. They don't understand you're being used just like other empires were used. God used a lot of empires to chastise his people. He did a lot of times with the Babylonians to chastise Israel, to the, with the Egyptians to chastise Israel. He took a wicked people and used the wicked people to beat his people down because they were disobedient. And after they took it too far, he chastised those people. But my point is white supremacy, it does make white look super. And if you don't know these things I'm talking about, Joel 2, and uh, here's another scripture, uh, Jeremiah one fifteen. Listen to what the scripture says in Jeremiah one fifteen. The Father said, Israel, because of your rebellion, I am going to call all. He literally used the word A-L-L. Y'all are kitchen not. He says, I will call all of the nations of the north. So if you north of Israel, the Most High have called you down there to take that land to punish Israelites and scatter them throughout the four corners. So Israel is not in in Israel. Israel is scattered to the four corners. The people that occupy Israel today is the belt, the punishment. The Most High said, I will bring a nation from the north. They're going to pollute your place. They're going to pollute your traditions. They're going to pollute your religion. So when you look at the muscles of this white man, and you don't know these things, you can't help but to succumb to the philosophies of white supremacy and think they got some over you. The Most High, every single thing these people are doing, the Most High said, I will do it to you before they even became a people. Did y'all know last thing, and I'm going back to John and Diana and Kenya. Did you know before Europeans wrote their first book, Africa had thousands of years of existence, many dynasties. Somebody said 24 dynasties. I don't know the number, but they had art, science, technology. Now Africa, people say it's crawling. It's not crawling. And if it is crawling, let me tell you why. I think to some degree it is crawling, but let me just say this really quickly. Africa is as smart as it always was. Africa, Africans as are brilliant as they always were thousands of years before there was a Europe. Let me tell you what's going on in Africa really quick, and then we're going to John. Simply take their greatest minds. We court them, bring them to our universities, make them our doctors, make them our teachers, put them in our universities. If we leave them in Africa, those great minds would transform that continent. But what we do when we see, we as so-called Americans, not me, of course, what we do is a theft, really. We go with wealth and promising them in the world, and we go and we've got some called a peace corpse, which is nothing more than spies. Go over there in the name of peace, peace, peace. You know, the Bible says when your enemies say peace, 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 swords are drew, drew, drew. 
So they go over there saying peace, 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 and they learn different ways African farm, African this, do that with their agriculture, and we implement that in the states. So any any inventions, any technology, the guy that created the fastest computer, Philip Imogwali, something like that, he created the fastest computer. We just yanked him up, brought him to the states, and he helped our internet. Now here's John. I'm having to keep calling back because they keep dropping, but Philip is in the States, and he helped create the fastest computer. Nobody has got a faster computer than Philip Imogali, if I'm saying his name right. And uh, President um, um, Bill Clinton is the one that introduced him to the world. So just know that, everybody. I don't want to get too deep. I want to go back to my guests because uh, it's not about me tonight, but I just have to lay the foundation of what we're dealing with, this global philosophy. Uh, based on a live discussion and ignorance. John, I want you to talk a little bit about some of your experiences you've had there, you and Diana, uh, with some of the natives. And you have told me some very interesting, very concerning things, actually, that you've picked up from the people there. Can you talk, please, about that? I can. I can. And, and actually, if I may, Brother Seth, with what you were saying, I, I literally was just on my computer pecking up, pecking on it and pulling up the scriptures to further buttress what you stated, but I just couldn't help but to, I, I, want, I want Diana to, to, to comment on what you stated uh, in reference to this particular professor that um, I've kind of grown fond of watching his speeches. She'll tell you about him here in a moment, as well as a, a scenario that I found to be absolutely amusing. But it, it, it just basically uh, echoes what you stated. Diana, please tell them about um, uh, PLO. Okay, thank you. Um, there's a professor. Oh, wait. I apologize. Before I do this, I have to explain a couple of things. And, and everyone knows this to some degree, but you really got to understand it. There okay, John, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second, John. Hold on. Okay. John, hold on a second. Arlene is kind of holding her yeah. ear, and I'm holding my ear because we can't understand you that well. So I think you're speaking on, uh, talking on a speaker between you and her, kind of like Arlene and I was doing. What I to do is when you talk, hold the phone close to your ear. When she talks, hold the phone close to her ear because or y'all get a little closer because we can't hear you that well. You, you heard him, girl. You got to get a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all know that's what I y'all know that's what I do. Okay, so I'm gonna do a test, bro. I'm gonna do a test. I'm gonna just count. To, I'm gonna count to ten at various points, real quick, and you can tell me which one is clearer. This one's gonna be close to my mouth. One, two, three, four, five. I'll start. To, I'll go to five. Just further away. One, two, three, four, five. Horrible. One, two, three, four, five. You first started five. counting. One, two, three, four, five, like that? Right there, right there. That's it. Okay. Understood. Okay, let me just quickly restate what I was saying. I was simply explaining that what you stated, Diana's going to give you some examples of that, <clears throat> the brilliant minds leaving Africa, but she's also going to give you um, a, a, a little story that I found absolutely amusing that she told me about. Diana, uh, Professor Pillow. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, there's a professor in Kenya, he's called the PLO Lumumba. 
Uh, I would love to see his pictures. He's on YouTube. He's, yeah, he's on YouTube. You can uh, you cannot do it now, but you can do it later. You listen to his pictures. He talks passionately about Africa, and he talks to African leaders, and his pictures are good. Anyway, pertaining to what you're talking about, about Africa having great minds. Okay, yeah. hold on a second, Diane. Hold on a second. You say PLO is his name? Like PLO? P-L-O Lumumba. Just spell his name for me. P-L-O. P-L-O. Yeah. P-L-O, just the initials. Yeah. P-L-O. And then Lumumba, okay. like Chief Lumumba from Congo. L- yeah. Spell Lumumba. Lumumba, yeah. Spell it. L-L-U. M-U. M-B. Okay, got it. Go All right, I found him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so, so I listened to... Patrice Lumumba, like I listen to a preacher preaching all the time, because he talks, the things that he talks about Africa are true. Uh, from from uh, colonization time till this time that we are in, there are young, brilliant Kenyans who live I don't want to talk about Kenya alone, I want to talk at, about Africa at large. They leave Africa, they go to study abroad. They study there, but they don't come back to Kenya to, or to Africa to, to work. They, they remain there because when you come back to work in Africa, there is a way that Africa, like, um, I can say, like Africa is corrupt. It's, it's corrupt in a, in a way that if you study, you've learned everything, you come back with your, your skills, but you can't practice it here because they will not pay you what you want, like if you are a doctor, for instance. There are so many doctors, African doctors abroad in America, in Europe, in Asia, who are doing really good work there, but they cannot come back to Africa. So getting all the skills there, they cannot come back to Africa and work here because of that's the way the mindset that Africa has from our leaders, from uh, especially just our leaders. It, it has affected everything. That the young people do learn something. You have uh, a degree, for instance, or you have a master's or something. You have gone to school when you studied well. But whatever you studied, you cannot work because of corruption. Oh, come back to engineers. Um, the engineers, they will not employ you. They will not employ the African engineers. They will not employ the Kenyan engineers, but they will employ the Chinese engineers to come and work on our roads. Why? Because they don't, we don't trust in ourselves as Africans. We don't believe in ourselves as Africans, even our leaders. They don't believe, they don't trust that us, we can do the job. They don't believe that we can do the job. They hire engineers from outside to come and work on our roads and, and everything. Okay, let's let's take this this one at a time. Let's take this a little bit at a time. First of all, why do you think Kenyans, it sounds like you're saying they don't believe, uh, um, out of your your accent, which is beautiful, and this line that is kind of still suspect, but we're going to work on, keep working on it. Um, It's kind of hard to understand, but it sounds like you're saying Kenyans, 
don't trust and don't believe in themselves, and they trust foreigners. Is that right? Um, if I may, what I'm going to do is translate, because Diana speaks perfect English. It's just not the English that we speak. For example, I'm going to give you a perfect example. I'm going to say agreement. Well, how do you say it here in Kenya? Agreement. He said this like agreement. So I'm like, I don't, I'm not trying to have an argument. So she, she said, no, agreement. <laughs> she meant agreement. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm going to translate crazy, the accent. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But here's the point. She's not saying that Kenyans don't trust Kenyans. What she's saying is that the, the, the power structures, the people, the political persons in Kenya, the people who have the power to put people into positions, they don't trust Kenyans. And to be honest, it may even be at the micro level where it's just like in the U.S., um, I can't get do loans for black people half the time because they don't think I can do the loans. <laughs> they would rather go to a white person or something like that. It, 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 it's all the same. So that's what she was saying. It's not just the average Kenyan doesn't trust the average Kenyan. What she's really saying is that the person who's the head over a particular project who's going to have X amount of millions of dollars to put towards that project does not hire Kenyan engineers. They go to China or Europe or wherever to hire the engineers. That's what she's saying. Wow, 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 wow. Arlene want to comment on that. Go ahead, Arlene. Uh, hold on, let's get your phone open. Let's get your phone open. Okay, and go for it right now. Okay, okay. ring it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, everybody. Mute me on your phone. Okay, I'm going to give her my phone. Go ahead, comment on me. Okay, I just am fascinated by that comment, uh, you know, from Diana, because as an African-American, which is how I've turned myself, I just feel like we are like that because, you know, we were, um, uh, our minds were transformed through the generations of slavery to uh, be disconnected from who we really are and to believe that we are, you know, Negroes uh, that don't have value. But for somebody who's been in Kenya for their lifetime and know who their grandparents are and their great-grands and all that kind of stuff, it's amazing to me that the same powers that be that infiltrated the um, uh, powerful positions in our country have infiltrated the powerful positions in her country. Yes. So that means that there's some sort of global, uh, you know, a policy where they are going by and, and somehow either getting people in office or, or once they get people in office, they're giving them directives on who should have these positions of authority. Because when people know who they are and they're, in, um, you know, they're authentic, it would be ludicrous to think that somebody could come from China and build anything in Africa better than somebody who's already there, you know, because you're, your minds are intact. You know who you are. But apparently somebody has come in, swooped in, and taken those top positions and have tried to miseducate and disenfranchise people in their own home country. That blows my mind. I just had to say that. Wow. Thank you, Arlene. That is a wow. money ball, in my that opinion. That is really and, something. And the reason why that, – that's a money ball. And, and the reason why I say that is because – and, again, this is just going along with what Seth has asked of me, which is to talk about 
what I've seen here. I'm going to go into greater detail on a micro level about what I've seen. But part of it is what I've seen on TV or on Netflix. I start, I've seen part of this in the U.S., but since I've been here, as I explained, Diana, she, she said it just a moment ago, and I hope you all caught it because, um, you know, her accent may have disallowed it, but she listens to, like, Patrice, uh, uh, PLO Lumumba. She listens to other uh, speakers and leaders, like, kind of like, uh, quote, unquote, Christians, listen to uh, Kenneth Copeland or whomever the case may be. She's, like, listening, and as a result, I, and Arlen, you know this, I'm easily, easily uh, distracted. I'll start listening just like Arlen is watching, you know, uh, flip or flop or whatever the, the home uh, improvement show might be. I'll stand there and just be looking at the show. Well, I've I, I listened to these shows, and what I've come to realize is that what we've dealt with on a more direct level as far as slavery goes, they dealt with a little bit indirectly through colonialism. Colonialism, I mean, they were racing across the globe, putting their flags down, saying, this is our ish now. Just like there's people already here. Just like in, in, in the U.S., Christopher Columbus, you know, he found America. And when he hit the shore, the Indians met him. Well, didn't the Indians find America? <laughs> it's like... The Indians found America, and Christopher Columbus found the Indians. So that's, that's what we'll give you. We're not going to give you America. So you have Portugal. You have France. You have England. You have all these nations dropping down their flags saying this is our ish in spite of the fact that people are already there. But what did they have? And as Seth has said this, they had divine providence, so to speak, from the most high to be able to be in the position of the conqueror. And I can show you what Seth has stated. I'm going to read this. Seth is very familiar with this scripture. Arlene is very familiar with this scripture. This is Isaiah 10, and I'm starting at verse 12, and it reads, Okay. When the Lord has finished all his work. Matter of fact, let me just get to that This lets you know that these nations that are currently in power, they're not in power because they're oh so powerful. It's because God has put them in position, and now they think that they're the ish, and he's going to tell you otherwise in this scripture. When the Lord has finished all his work, again, uh, Isaiah 10, and I'm picking up at verse 12. When the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion, who is that Israel, and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I have done this. And by yes. my wisdom, I have understanding. I remove, I remove the boundaries of nations. Doesn't that sound familiar? Allah Israel, 1948. I have plundered their treasures. Like a mighty one, I subdued their kings. As one reaches into a nest, so my hand reached for the wealth of the nation. So gather abandoned eggs. So I gathered all the countries. Not one flapped a wing or opened his mouth to church. Now, Folks, hear this. Hear this. 
This is That's the good. most high speak now. Does the axe raise itself above the person who swings it? Or the saw boasts against the one who uses it? Or a club brandish the one who is not wood? Therefore, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will send a wasting disease upon his sturdy warriors. Under his pomp, a fire will be kindled like a blazing flame. The light of Israel will become a fire, the Holy One a flame. In a single day, it will burn and consume his thorns and briars. The splendor of his forest and his fertile fields, it will completely destroy. And when a sick person wastes away, uh, and the remaining trees in his forest will be so few that a child could write them down. Folks, what do wow. you mean if I make just explain this to you. These nations are not in a position of power just because, oh, they are powerful. No, the Most High is telling you plainly, look, I have put them in position. I have raised them up. And now they are talking as if they did it of their own selves. Let me just go. To, I don't want to hit you over the head with scriptures, but it's important that you understand this. Yes, He's it is. about the king of Assyria. Folks, you may be saying, like, well, there's no Assyria. There's not an Assyria, but Assyria is the kingdom of man. The Assyrians, they're the ones who took Israel first into captivity. Then came the Babylonians. Then came the Greeks. Then came the, the, the Romans who occupied folks. It's the kingdoms of man, and that's who God is talking about. And if you don't think, if you think that I'm mistaken, I'm going to tell you, here, this is, this is uh, uh, Daniel, chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king at that time, he found himself in a place where he was saying, like, whoa, I am the ish. Look, look at Babylon and all of its glory, and look at my palace. I'm bawling. My rims are spinning. <laughs> this is what Nebuchadnezzar was saying. And, and long story short, long story short, he was found to be in a place against the Most High, and the Most High gave him a dream, and no one could tell him his dream, and Daniel came and told him his dream, and Daniel simply said, like, look, may this be for your enemies, but what this dream is, is that you're the tree in this particular dream, and that was what the dream was about. He says that you are going to lose your power and authority, you're not going to lose your position, but for seven years you're going to be out in, in the forest, in, in the field, eating grass like cows and, and so on and so forth. And it says what you should do is look out for the poor and do works of righteousness in hopes that this will pass. But one year later, Nebuchadnezzar did it again. While the words were in his mouth, that particular prophetic dream came to place. I'm just going to read to you what happened after those seven years because this is important to understand that God is, he has total control over the situation even when these countries are oppressing and killing and murdering without impunity. And folks, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar said. Hold on a second. Before you say this, before you say anything, y'all should be really listening to what John is saying. He is Firing on all cylinders. Y'all, this is so important to understand because, again, if you don't understand the might behind whites and this white power structure, 
again, the most I say, he's going to do it. And I think what he did, he talks about this people. He just raised his hand back and allowed Satan to introduce them to this theory, this philosophy of white supremacy. I don't think white supremacy invented it. I think Satan did after the Most High lifted his hand of protection, allowed the enemy to give him this crazy philosophy, and then they went throughout the whole world preaching this the philosophy of skin color and breaking down. Y'all, please listen to what John is saying because he's talking about how the Most High humbled nations because they all turned their back on him, but Israel was the eldest child. That's why they got it the worst. Uh, John, one more time, Isaiah, what you just read, give him the scriptures again and just continue to flow like you're doing, brother, please. This is that Daniel, that the scripture in Isaiah was Isaiah 10, and I started at verse 12 and I went through about 15. What I'm about to read to you now is Daniel, and I'm going to pick up at verse 34, but before I do that, I'm going to go to the beginning of Daniel 4. And the reason why is because you are going to hear the only time that a Gentile put words into this Bible. All of this Bible were written by Israelites, except for this chapter. And people can say, well, no, an Israelite wrote it. He may have wrote it, but he was writing it under the direction of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar tells you right here. Chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God have brought towards me. I'm not going to go any further. That is Nebuchadnezzar speaking, folks. That is not someone speaking on behalf of him. He likely had a scribe that wrote this on his behalf, but that's Nebuchadnezzar speaking right there, okay? Down to verse 34. And as I explained, Nebuchadnezzar just got back from a seven-year vacation in the woods. <laughs> He's been eating grass, lapping up water, sleeping out. <laughs> he is the king of the most powerful country or the empire. I shouldn't even call it a country because Babylon is an empire. Assyria, empire. Greece, empire. Rome, empire. United States, empire. This is the Absolutely. kingdom of man, folks. This is, oh, matter of fact, let's just quickly, let me just say this. If you don't think the U.S. and the West is an empire, find out where all of their military bases are. It's called all over the world. All over. Right. That's what an empire does. That's what an yeah. empire does. What did Rome do? When Rome subdued a, a nation, they went and they put garrisons in their nation. And then they put someone to rule over a ruler. They let, the rule, they let the, they, that nation have a ruler, but that ruler was complicit with Rome and Rome's agenda. So when you see the United States military say that they're out there to protect the United States and the United States' interest, well, what's the interest of the U.S.? The world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen to what Nebuchadnezzar say after, said after his seven-year foray in, in uh, camp woods and uh, valleys and hills and dales. He said, it said, and at the end of days, I, again, Nebuchadnezzar wrote this, at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. Why? Because his understanding was gone. He was like a beast. He was like a cow out there. 
And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. Oh, my gosh. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Y'all should be praising God here. And all inhabitants yeah, yeah. of the earth are reputed as nothing. Let me repeat that. And all inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say to say none can say his hand or say to him, What doest thou? Why what you doing? You can't say that to him. At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I never could mess. Now listen to this. This is the kingdom of man. Surely the Satan was about this. This is his number one man that he has in position. And this is what his number one man says. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Let me tell you. Powerful power. Do you want to know why now there are, do you want to know why that the West is always against kings? Because it only takes a single stroke, a mind change, for them to be something other than they were. But you can't do that in democracy. You can't do that with uh, uh, the, the Senate and Congress. So why is it that the West always wants to take their form of government all over the world? As if all over the world their governments weren't working already. They always try to demonize anyone who is uh, uh, in, in total power, but still doing good. They'll call them a dictator, a totalitarian state, and all. They'll demonize them mm-hmm. because they want to put their government in place. Right. Folks, if you, if, you, if you don't believe that, understand that in 1952, a democratically elected Iranian leader was overthrown by the CIA, and they've been doing it ever since. They've done it in the Middle East. They've done it in South America. They would do it everywhere that they need their influence to be there. I apologize. Powerful, uh, powerful. Well, John, here, that, that, <laughs> that right there, man, I hope people really hear it. Folks, remember, these shows are recorded. These shows are recorded. Y'all can rewind what John said. Again, we're attacking the philosophy, the lies, the deception, the religion, if you will, of whites being superior in any minute micro way and blacks being inferior to these whites in any way. Now, collectively, when people work together, mm-hmm. they're going to be able to accomplish some things. We're not stupid. If whites <laughs> unite, so-called whites unite, and that's another thing. We've got to be careful with even saying whites because we're making them a people based upon color, just saying that. when uh, I'll talk about that when we come from this break. We're going to talk, go and take a little break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the whole concept of white and black, and I want John to continue because he was attacking that, and I'm so glad he brought out those scriptures in, in Isaiah 10 and, and the other scriptures because, folks, we got to understand the muscles you see on so-called whites 
it's really you're giving them too much power. It's the most highest judgment against this planet. These people are Johnny Come Lately's forming from forming a people out of a recessive trait. White skinned people are wherever there's dark skinned people. Uh, white dark skinned people are reproducing blonde hair, blue eyes. So there are Indians and Pakistani people that have more features, uh, or should I say whites have their features, and when they have an albino, these Pakistani Indian people, you can't tell those albinos from a European. So everybody's producing in Africa or in India or Pakistan, like I was just describing, these white-skinned people that can go to Europe and pass for white. So what is whiteness? we got to be careful even saying white people, black people. Again, the show is not attacking white people per se. Or they say, what can we say? What can we call them? And that's that's the question of the night, because and of the day here in the states, um, because you can't call whites a people because they're migrants of all types of tribes in Africa, albinos. They went up there and begin to mix among themselves, mix among themselves, so they no longer can produce, can excuse me, can produce pigmentation. So, what do you call a people that's mixed with all kinds of people? You can say neo-Europeans, latest Europeans or something like that, but you have to be very careful. They're not white people, no more than we are black people. But let me, let's do this. We'll talk about that after the break. Arlene got something she want to share on that tip. And uh, we're going to hear from Diana, Diana Awar, and then we're going to take a nice little break, and we're going to come back and just keep it. John, that was brilliant, man. That's probably one of the best things I've heard you describe. Uh, anyway, Diana, what do you have to say what you've heard so far? Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Arlene wanted to say something on that point. Go ahead, because I think we're going to talk about the whiteness afterwards. Go ahead, Arlene. Can you hear me? Hold on. Here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because when he says they're not a people, they're not a people, and then we say white people, we shouldn't say that because they're not a people. They're not a people because you're not uh, a people based on race. Then I'm always saying, well, what do we call them? What do we call them? And based on what you were sharing today, John, I was, I'm kind of jokingly saying it, but you can call them those who were called by the most high to be a belt and beat up the rest of the world. Amen. That's a long phraseology. Amen. No That's who they are. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. That is perfect. <laughs> Repeat that, John. I was pet. She was passing the phone. Go ahead, John. Say it again, Repeat what you Diana, just said. Diana did want to comment on, on what what was stated. Diana, go ahead. Uh, I, I wanted to make an input on what John was saying, um, specifically about the work. The way they they run their their way of governance into especially Africa. I would just talk about Africa, and mostly when they they only have the, the president that they want in every country. They 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 put who they want to be there. They want everything to be their way. Their way of governance is what they want. But before in Africa, we had systems. We had kings, and they are killing us. They're trying to kill our way of governance, and they want their way to be what we should do. Especially during uh, elections, like, for instance, Kenya was colonized by the British, and whoever they put there, 
uh, whether he's, he's delivering or not, that person, the West will uh, support them to be whoever they want to be, the, especially to be the president. Then, they, for the first time, the, the next time, maybe there will still elections and they will still be the president. And the, what they will be waiting for is, is the West going to support this? And if they, they support, especially their colony, if they support, they'll be like, okay, that's good. It's like they 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 support of 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 my 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 presidency, whether they stole elections, whether the people wanted him to be the president. It doesn't matter whether you want him to be the president or lessons you want to vote. It's always predetermined. They already know who will be the president. So the West have gotten into our political system so much that they control everything. They control the, the, the leadership, they control the presidency, they control basically everything. So, for instance, if you're not in support of them, they will not be giving you aid. You, like your country will not be getting aid from, from, uh, from the West. So the most countries that, that don't support the West they are poor. Why? Because they, they don't get the aid. But the countries that support them, it's not that they are rich. They are not rich, but they, they will put their systems. These, what they want is what you will do. Like there are so many African countries that are rich, rich in terms of minerals. Like the Congo, it's rich in terms of minerals. But Congo is poor. It's one of the poorest countries in Africa. Why? Because the West acts like they want to, to help, they want to support, but that's not their interest. Their interest is in what Africa has, is in what Kenya has, is in what any other African country has. So they, they yeah. just come with, their, with, their, with everything about the West as influenced as, as Africans. We believe that whatever we have, is not good that they would ever come from the West. It has affected so many sectors, like the agriculture has been affected because we we believe that whatever comes from the West is what we should consume. We don't want to consume our own. We don't want to we don't want to do anything to support our own. We want everything that comes from the West. Like I just told Diana that we have to go on break. <laughs> Because she was going to freestyle this. Uh, no, no. So we have she to go was on a roll. She was, that was amazing. Was. I mean, just to hear her heart, that was something I can so relate to her. I understand. So now I I'm bad. I'm like, so wow. Now I'm bad. <laughs> so now I'm bad for thinking about the show and, and, and keeping it organized. Is that what y'all telling me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just moderating. I'm just moderating. <laughs> man, you're a mess, man. You're a mess. But, Diana, that was really good. I want to talk about what you just talked about and the whole concept of white skin being a, a social construct and not a, a biblical term at all. Y'all, I hope y'all are enjoying this John's comedy. <laughs> uh, John's wisdom, uh, Arlene's wisdom, Diana's input and wisdom. Hope everybody's really enjoying this show. But we are simply 
trying to hit this thing at the root. Hit what thing, Brother Seth? Racism. And we define racism as white supremacy, uh, global system. The lies, deception, the uh, religion of whites being superior in any way and blacks being inferior to whites in any way. We're attacking this global system that's toppling governments. Let's take a little short break. Again, you've been listening to the Five Stone Network. I'm Brother Seth with uh, Sister Arlene Turner as well as Brother John Clark and as well as our sister, Diana Awar. I hope you all are getting a lot out of this. We are not playing. We, we, we're having fun, but we're very serious. This, this germ that's in all of us in the West, for sure, we all are white supremacists. We're practicing out. We want to talk a little bit also about blacks acting out and doing things destructive to each other because of white supremacy. You can take all the white people, put them, move them out of a country, as, as like in Kenya, mostly black people, and you're still going to see the sickness that we have towards each other because of this philosophy, this lie, this deception, this religion. Folks, we'll be right back. Again, thank you for tuning in to this very informative show. We'll be right back, folks.
And folks, we're back. Again, you tuned into the Five Song Network. This is Brother Seth. I have on the line all the way from Kenya. Brother, the one and only moderator, Brother John Clark, as well as Diana Awar. Again, Diana Awar is with Brother John Clark all the way in Kenya. And also I have Sister Arlene, my wife, in the house as well. Folks, this is serious. We're having fun, and we should, because the Most High has our back. As long as we are being led by His Spirit, His Ruach HaKadosh, we believe that there is protection for us against the system. The Bible was wrote by a lot of Israelites in the same kind of system. Uh, rulers with iron fists and these Israelites managed to shake up the world walking with their father, their creator. It's no difference today. We have the victory because we have the victor. We're just simply trying tonight to share some light that will expose this giant. Yes, he's a giant as in the scriptures, how there was this giant, but he had clay feet. And you know what happens when you have clay feet. All it takes is a nice little rain, and that whole giant's coming down. And no covenant. So we have a covenant with the Most High. You know, we have another kingdom. We have a king. And it is the only thing that can really go toe-to-toe with this giant, folks. This thing is serious. White supremacy is the global, the most powerful global philosophy on the earth right now. And while it may not be thick in certain parts of the world, it's influenced because they have a television. They have a media. And I don't know why these countries allow the West to infiltrate their entertainment uh, with, you know, I don't even know why they subscribe and allow all of these networks to just be a part of their country because all it's going to do is feed the white supremacy. And then you got these foreigners coming over or, or staying at home, wherever they're at. They are full of this white supremacy just as much as we are in the West. Okay, so again, I want to talk about a couple of things uh, as we go back to the phone lines here in a second. Right? Just, just well, wait a minute on that, but we're going to go back to the phone lines and bring on Brother John and Brother uh, Sister uh, Diana Awar. But before we go back to the phone lines, I want to talk a little bit about the invention of white skin, the invention of white as a nation, as a group of people. It's totally unbiblical. It's nowhere in the Bible. The Father never, ever relate to a group of people based on a color. It was based on a language that actually started at the Tower of Bible, where he confused the languages, and different people began to talk with each other that they could understand that language, and they ended up going away from the other people and establishing their own culture. It did with food, what they wore, and customs, and that is what created another nation, nationality, but never in the scriptures. Does the scripture relate to a group of people based upon a color? Some people believe it was around the Spanish, uh, to the 
It was started with the Spanish acquisition, Inquisition, um, where it first surfaced using color to designate a group of people. But for sure, it, take on, it took on a whole new different meaning and uh, really began to be employed by the powers that be around uh, the formation of this new world uh, uh, right after they started bringing over the indigenous servants to work the land. They was promising these indigenous servants from various European countries, 100 acres and, and, and land and so forth, and they began to come over to the new land and work the new land. And there was a dispute among land distribution and the greatest, they call it the biggest uh, uprising, the first, excuse me, the first uprising in the New World was with a gentleman by the name of Nathan, Nathan Bacon, Nathan Bacon. You can Google this, you can go to your libraries and do research this on your own, but Nathan Bacon started the first, he was the first, the largest rebellion, the first rebellion of size against Governor Berkeley. Uh, and uh, Governor Berkeley and the boys had to put down this rebellion uh, because these people were not happy with what they was getting. And it was promised so much, and then they was only they were not getting their fair share. So they created a system right at the beginning of the slave trade. They created this new underclass with these slaves called black, and they called people white. They start distinguishing people based upon black and white. And you have to remember something. Before that, uh, Italian could be black and white. They was just from Italy. They spoke Italian. They had all the things in common. These blacks and whites had everything in common where it relates to Italy. There was other blacks and whites from Britain. There was other blacks and whites from wherever other country in Europe. And sometimes they didn't even like each other. So blacks and whites in Italy might not have liked some whites in another European country. So that was the way they looked at each other. It was strictly nationality. The invention of race based on color and grouping people into this new underclass with these slaves, it caught wind. It caught fire, and they began to promote a bunch of lies to attach to this new designation. And this is when I believe Satan got involved and gave them this philosophy of whiteness. Now, I do believe the Most High allowed Satan to get a hold of these people from the north and cause them to become mighty and successful with this lie because the Most High was doing something completely different. Anything happening in our realm, the Most High has a whole other reason why it happens in the spiritual realm. Everything happens in the natural realm. It first happens in the spiritual realm. So whites may have meant it for one thing. So-called white people may be ruling, thinking one thing in their mind, but the Most High has another reason for doing, allowing things happening the way they are. Keep in mind the church is praying, Father, thou, let thy will be done. Christ commissioned us to pray that. We're praying for his will. We're inviting him into this realm, the most high that is. And he is doing what's best for humanity. And humanity has turned from him. And he says in the scriptures, and I'm going to Brother John and Sister Diana, he says in the scriptures over and over and over, when you, Israel, begin to feel this punishment, 
you will turn to me. So for whatever reason, humanity has to be, has to go through this type of abuse to turn to the Most High. It's just the way we are made. We, we, we return when we're in pain. That's why a lot of poor people are so close to the Father than rich people. Because when you're at your wit's end, you turn to the Most High. It's just the way it is, folks. Are. Don't ask me why. It's just the way it is. People don't normally turn to the Father when everything is good. They begin to trust in those things that, that, that you know, their money. So that's why oftentimes you can find the Father more in a lot of small churches or in a lot of poverty-stricken areas. You can find more spiritual people because that's all they have. Going back to phone lines, Brother John, all the way, Clark in Kenya, um, Mubasa. John, is that the name of the city? What's the name of the city again? John? You got me on mute. But, uh, John, Diana, can y'all hear me okay? Sorry about that, bro, Seth. I, I, use, I be following protocol where I always mute the phone when, when I'm not speaking. So I forgot to unmute it. But um, it's okay. Yeah, I, I'm, we're actually, yeah, I, I'm in Nairobi, which is the capital. Um, I was in Mombasa for about a month or so. And, um, yeah, we uh, left there and uh, came back to Nairobi, which is where Diana actually actually lives. Well, let's go back to some uh, what Diana was talking about. Um, I just had to, had to uh, while she's gathering her thoughts, I want her to finish what she was saying. Diana, get your thoughts together. I want you to finish what you were saying. Stay in that vein. But, folks, I kid you not, this 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 concept of race based upon a color is man-made. It's man-made. Every, every time we say the term white people, black people, black people, white people, we are not innocent. We're feeding the lie ourselves. No, I'm very serious. You're not innocent. If you're saying white people, black people, you are feeding the lie. They're not white. We're not black. It's, it don't hold water. White people are not from Europe. That's not true. White people are all over the planet. Every non-white nation produces people that can go live in Europe. I'm talking about blonde hair, blue eyes, gray eyes, you name it. They can go live in Europe. Now, Africans, some of them, because of the nose structure and the lip structure, you probably can tell they're albino. But, if, again, if you go to places like Pakistan, India, and they have an albino, you cannot tell with the natural eye them from a European. So my question to the listeners, where are white people from? What make you white? So it's, a, it's totally a made-up concept. It's what we call a social construct. And, again, I believe that the Most High has a purpose for this people Again, he called them his army. And people think, some believers think because he called them his army, they're godly. The Bible never said they was godly. They were wicked people. And he, do, he does it, he has done it for many thousands of years. Whenever his people turn from him, he go and grab a knucklehead nation, a wicked nation, as a belt to bring his people in line. And if they take it too far after He's got his people back in line, or after he feels like that's enough punishment, he then turn around and abuse or punish that nation, um, uh, punish that nation for 
them taking it too far. And that's what's going to happen to America. If America just enslaved us and never did some of the grotesque things they did in slavery, there would be no judgment upon America because they were just carrying out what the Most High said. He said to Israel, and by the way, we believe we're Israelites, African-Americans. So he said to Israel, if you disobey, you're going to be put in slave ships, taken back into captivity. The so-called Jews was never put in slave ships. He said, if you disobey, your house is going to be led by women. And this is all related to white supremacy because people want to know especially so-called African-American, which this show targets. Why are we in this situation? Where is the most high? Why do we have it so hard? And if you don't tell them the Israelites carrying out a punishment, or they have been, we believe that the punishment is now recently over because we've been in this country for over 400 years. But a lot of people can't worship a, a God or an Elohim that is abusing them and favoring a, a certain nation, whites, over them. And that's how it looks. It looks like the father is racist. It looks like the father don't care for black people. He care for whites because they have it so much better in so many areas. It looks like the father is partial. Be honest. Good plan. It looks like the father favors Europeans. But if you know what he said in the scriptures, again, uh, Jeremiah 1.15, Israel, if you disobey, I'm going to call this nation from the north. He says it, and lo, this is Jeremiah 1.15, for lo, I will call all the families, all the families, all the families of the north down to Jerusalem, and I will utter my judgments against you through them. That's who in Israel, Israel, the punishment. They're not the real Jews. They don't go throughout anything the, the, the Moses said, Moshe said, in Deuteronomy 28 when he tells the Israelites what is going to be upon them forever. Somebody say, how can y'all use these ancient scriptures? These ancient scriptures don't have nothing to do with us. Read Deuteronomy 28, verse 46. Moses says, these things are going to be upon you forever, Israel. And he names certain blessings if they, dis if they obey. He says they're going to be upon you forever. 2021, or whatever year it is you're listening to this broadcast, is included in that. He says, this is going to be upon Israel forever. 2021 is a part of that. So the blessings, if, if Israelites obey, is going to be upon Israel. The cursings, whatever he said, cursings, is going to be upon them forever. They have the choice. If they obey, blessings. If they disobey, cursing. When you look at the cursings, he said your house is going to be led by women. Who does that sound like, the Jews in Israel or African Americans? He says you're going to be scattered at the four corners. Jews are not scattered at the four corners. They only was in Europe. Well, who are those people over there then? He went on to say your houses, your good man will not father your children. Say you work all the days of your life. You won't enjoy your labor. Yes, he did. 
Lamentations quit playing around. They says our face was blacker than a coal. They tell you what color they were. Because of the terrible famine, of course. Then they go on to say our visage, V-I-S-A-G-E, V-I-S-A-G-E, was blacker than an oven. Visage, V-I-S-A-G-E, just means face. So two times in Lamentation talks about them being darker than a coal, darker than an oven because of the famine. But even when whites are starving in a famine, they never get that black. The Bible is full of dark-skinned people, dark-skinned people. Your Bible is full of dark-skinned people. I love white people. I don't believe in preaching no hate down with the white men. I'm not on that. But I sound like I hate, don't I? That's because of the white supremacy in you. It's hard for you to accept the fact that that Bible, from Genesis all the way to the back of maps, is full of dark skin. I don't mean light skin. I don't mean olive tone. Some people say, well, well, I think it was olive. No, they weren't olive tone. They was dark skin because there wasn't no mixing with white skin people and these dark skin people. So back in biblical times, they were all dark skin people, brown people, not olive, brown. Dark. When white skin appear in your Bible, it's not spoken of favorably. I didn't do that. I didn't start that. The most high did that. Show me white people in the Bible. Any of you listening. And I guarantee you I can show you when the scripture is going to speak very negative of it. It was called leprosy. Whether to have all white skin was called leprosy. And I know I sound really crazy right now because today's modern technology, the modern terminology of leprosy is something completely different. But in the Bible, white skin was called leprosy. Stuck his hand in his bosom. Y'all know about that. And the Bible says when Moses went to the rescue Israelites, God wanted to show him his power. And he said, stick your hand in your bosom. Moses stuck his hand in his bosom. He pulled his hand out of his bowels and his hand was white as snow. Now, if Moses was already white, how his hand going to be white? It literally said his hand was leprous as whatever come out the word A-S, as. It's just giving you the description. His hand was leprous as. His hand was leprous. As snow. If snow is balls and sores and all that, why would it say leprous is snow? Well, that's not what that means. Some of y'all are saying that's not what that means. Okay, let's go over to uh, when his sister was, Miriam was smitten with leprosy for speaking out against a Marin Ethiopian. Just one black tribe, Marin, another black tribe. He spoke, uh, Marion, his sister spoke out against Moses marrying this Ethiopian. The Bible says the Father Almighty smit her with leprosy, and she became leprous, here we go again, as snow. Leprosy and white is the same term in the Bible. Don't go by today's technology, terminology. Don't let professors of today define your Bible. It says it right there, leprosy and snow. Some of you say, well, I still don't believe that. That sounds racist. You sound, okay. Go to Leviticus 13. 
uh, about the 13th verse, 13 and 13, somewhere around there, 12 or 13, it talks about when white skin starts to spread all over your body. Today we call it vitiligo. Y'all don't believe it is, I understand, but I believe that's what it is. Listen to what it says. It says when the whiteness has spread all over your body, it causes the leprosy. When the leprosy has spread all over your body, and it's all over your body, 100%, you are then clean, accepted. You can go and be, mingle among the people. You are cleansed of lepers. Now, if leprosy is sore like some of y'all thinking right now in your head, why would the Bible say when you're covered with sores and pus and blood, why is it saying when you're covered all over your body, you then can go and be, be among other people? It says you are clean. And when he used the word clean, it just means accepted. In the Bible days, the word clean meant accepted. Kind of like when the when Israelites saw a dead person. We coming to you, John and, and Diana and Arlene. I just got to lay this foundation because we need to understand what white skin is we're looking at if we're going to tumble the giant of white supremacy, white being superior. How can it be superior if it's a, if it's a recessive trait from dark skin? How can the Messiah be a recessive trait? Listen, in Leviticus 13 and about the 12 and 13 verse, it says, when you've been covered from head to toe all over your body with this, you are then clean. And again, I was describing what the word clean means when, when, the, when the Israelites saw a dead person. They just saw a dead person Walking by, they happen to see a dead person. The Bible says they was unclean for the rest of the day. They was unclean. It don't mean they needed soap and water. They just saw a dead person. And spiritually, they wasn't right. When you see dead people do something to you. And they were not to handle priestly duties or anything regarding the temple because they saw a dead person. They was unclean. You see how they use the word unclean? It's the same way in Leviticus 13 and 12 and 13 around there. It's saying when you when white skin cover your body from head to toe, then are you clean? You can go among other people, but before then, while your body is turning white, like Michael Jackson had, he's turning slow. You got vitiligo. You, your hand is white. Your leg is white. And next thing you know, your whole body. While it's turning, you're unclean. You wasn't to go mingle because God wanted everybody to be one tone, either all white from this. Albinism, or he wanted you dark. That don't ask me why. That's just the way it was. He says when you're turning, the priest is supposed to keep an eye on you. And once you turn completely white, then you can go mingle. You were still a leper. Leper just means white, but you was what they call a cleansed leper. There was cleansed lepers and unclean lepers. Now, I'm going to get too deep, but folks, y'all got to understand what you're looking at when you look at white skin. Last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to. Um, uh, Diane, I'd love to know what you have to uh, say about this, what you're hearing, and and uh, John as well. Last thing I'm going to say, this is how the Father gave it to me. Look out your window, because some of y'all don't like the Bible. You don't trust the Bible. All right, I'm talking to you who don't trust the Bible. Look out your window right now. Look out your window right now. Look out your window right now and look at the earth. Subtract everything man-made. Every building man-made, erase it, erase it, pretend it don't, it's not there. Every building, pretend it's not there. Every vehicle, pretend it's not there. Only see the earth. 
What color is your earth? It's green and it's brown. That's what dominates, green and brown. The, the, the father made man out of the dust of the earth. The dust is brown. Let me ask you something. What color do you see out there that's the color white people? It's impossible that you go find some of the color white people because white people and some light-skinned dark people. So some of you think I'm hating on white people. Listen to what I'm saying. Light-skinned black people, I'm talking to you as well. There is nothing on the earth to color. That color, that's not to put you down. You're a spirit, and you're just as valuable as anybody. We all equally spirits, human beings. But I'm talking about the evolution of skin right now. White skin and light-skinned black is recessive to dark skin. That's not hatred. That's science. The sun will kill you without that melanin. The sun, the natural sun will kill you without this earth that you're supposed to be covered with. That's all Leviticus 13 is talking about, being covered with earth or not. Diana, comments, please. Yes. Okay. Um, I would say first, uh, God created everyone in his own image, and uh, there was no issue of black or white or brown. There was no issue of color. This is something that we brought upon ourselves, that we say that this is white, this person is black, and we try to discriminate, like we say, black people are more superior than the white people. So, so the white people are more superior than the, the black people. I don't know where the notion is coming from, but that has really gotten into the minds of Africans. We believe that the whites are more superior than us in terms of, uh, of basically everything. Because we believe that everything that comes from the West, even a, them having an input in, 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 in our politics, in, in everything that pertains to Africa, but that pertains to, to Kenya per se, they would, they would have a great influence. Like, even in our elections, when we do our elections, the West have to, must have a say. Like in, in every African country, if there's a political dispute, we as Africans, as African leaders, our own leaders cannot, cannot come to a table and correct the dispute. We have to listen to what, what is the West saying? What is the West saying? Like we will say that the Secretary wow. of the of, of State of the U.S. is in Kenya. We'll be excited. Oh, She's he, he, like uh, there was a, a, um, a political dispute in 2007 in Kenya. Condoleezza Rice came to Kenya. Kenyans were so excited, like this is someone from the West that is coming to 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 help. But when a leader from Africa comes, we are not excited. Why? Because this is an African who understands the African problem. A, a, white, a white person will not understand our problem. We as Africans, we understand our own problem. But they colonized us, and 
we gained our independence. But since even after gaining our own independence, we are not still free. We are still we are still like colonized because we are not still in the sense that they do not let us have uh, do our our own as Africans. We don't do our own things as Africans. The West have to have an input in in every Af- African um, doing. They must have an influence. And even in terms of, um, of let me say, land, the West will come to any African country and we, they will get the best. They will get, they can come to your community and they will take over everything and they will live there peacefully. But you, a uh, uh, um, uh, citizen of the country, you will live like, like a refugee in your own country. You don't have land because they, they, take, they, take, they take over everything. But they always have an interest in the rich African countries. But some African countries that they, they don't have interest in. And they create political instability in those countries. Mm-hmm. When they create political instability, they have access. They will have access because they, have, they, they call themselves a superpower. They have access to, to the mines and to everything. They will get, they will go to those countries and they will get what they want. And they will act like they're trying to, to help. But in real sense, they're not helping anything because most of these uh, West countries, they will like, like, we want to help Africa. Why are they having an interest in Africa only? There are other, other countries that, have, um, that are poor because they perceive Africa as poor. There are also other places that are they, they are poor, but why are they not interested in the, in those other places? Why are they interested in Africa? It's because Africa is rich. We have more than um, fifty countries in Africa, and each country has um, culture and tribe. They killed our culture, they killed our religion, they killed our economy, they killed everything. Because they come with their own values that they want you to to adopt. They want you to do things the way they want you to do that. And then they will put um, whoever they want to to be the president. That's someone that they can manipulate easily. But in the back, they will, act, they will really act like they're good, they're helping, but they're not helping in anything. That's my view as Diana. I don't know what any other person is thinking, but my view as Diana, I think that the West should just allow um, as Africans to deal with our own issues as Africans because we understand our own problems because then intervening and then coming in is creating a, a really big conflict. Conflict like well, let me, the, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Diana. Uh, what do you think is a solution? You can say only Africans can solve Africans' problems, and I agree with you, but yeah. your government, you said, don't quite see it that way. Why do you think they trust so much in the West? Um, I, I think the, the, the solution is, is that us as Africans, like, let me just talk about K, as a Kenyan, us as Kenyans, we should just change our mindset. We should just send our, change our mindset like this thing is not the way these people want it, want it to be. Because over the years, it has been um, 
And so, but I'm glad that people are learning. Kenyans are really learning, and they know. And right now, we're in the elections next year. But when I listen to them, to what Kenyans are talking about, they have learned, and they know that there's a force behind that push that is pushing things of the interests of Kenyans. If they have their own interests, but we as as Africans, as the people, we should change our mindset to think that everything that comes from the West is the best because we have everything. We have all the resources to make Africa great. We have all the resources to change. We have all we have everything. That's why these people have interest in Africa. We just have to change our mindset. That's what I think. Well let me ask you this and then we go to John and then Arlene. Uh I don't know if it's that simple. Because if you get five five I don't I don't know that it would be that simple. I agree with you. That is what needs to happen. But all the Kenyans are saying that. Why don't it happen? So I think it's a bigger problem because what Kenyan is going to disagree with you and say, no, we don't need to trust each other. We need to trust the West. Every Kenyan is going to say, she's right. So why don't they do it? I think we got to ask that question because everybody say what you're saying. Just like black people, they all say, we need to get our own bank. We need to spend our money among ourselves. We are $1.2 trillion buying power, seventh richest nation in the world if we kept the money among ourselves. We are $1.2 trillion spending power. We are forced to be reckoned with. They all say that. Why can they don't do it? I think it's deeper, and I think when we answer that question, we're going to be on the right road, but I think everybody agree with you and everybody agree with African-Americans saying what they say. I think this is just me talking, and I would like to know what you're going to say after this, and then we're going to go to Brother John and then Sister Arlene. What I believe is this. If we're not obedient to the Most High, I think we're going to be in the hands of these people. I think yeah. that's what the Father has set up. If you're not obeying him as a nation, you're going to walk in curses and you're going to be enslaved by these people. If you as a nation choose me and my precepts and concepts and laws, you will escape the wrath of the people from the north. If not, Jeremiah one fifteen is going to be your fate. I will call all of the nations down to Israel and the surrounding nations. He said nobody will escape them. And that's why we're under this like this spell to where we just submit to them because we're disobedient as a nation. Once that nation made God put the most high on the throne, I don't think white supremacy is going to rule them. That's my take on it. I'd love to know your comment, and then we're going to go to Brother John. Uh, if I may, Brother Fett, um I'm going to give a phone to Diana in just a moment. I know that this is a time that you normally need to let people know that if they're listening by Internet, they need to make that switch up because if they don't, 
They're going to be cut off. Thank you. We haven't eaten. Thank we're, you. We're going to be on for a little while longer afterwards, but I wanted you to give you that opportunity to let them know. Okay. Gee, John is absolutely right. That's, that's the moderator, y'all. He, that's what he normally do. But listen, he's right. Right at uh, this time, we need everyone listening on the Internet to call the phone number. If you're already on the phone, don't hang up because you won't be able to call back in about two minutes. So, again, if you're listening to this show, you're really enjoying Diana and, and, and Brother John all the way in Kenya, so starting here in Texas, you've got to call the phone number. Otherwise, you're going to be disconnected. If you're on the phone lines, don't hang up. You will not be able to call back. John, that means y'all, hopefully y'all line don't drop, don't move. All right? So let's go to Sister Diana and see what she has to say to what I've just said, and then we're going to go to Brother John and starting. Okay, what you are asking is like, what I said, I said it earlier, is like when people change their mindset about everything they think about the West, that will change Africa, right? Say that again? Yeah, exactly. She was just reiterating what she said earlier in reference to the, the mindset change, and that's what's going to need to happen for the in Africa to come up. Uh, go ahead, Diana. Okay, I think, like I just said earlier, that the mindset of Africans, in my opinion, I think they're changing. Because I look at some other African countries, their leaders have embraced, and they, they, they have turned to the most high God, and that has helped other, some African countries, and some still embrace what the West has to offer. But as I can say about my country, I think we have changed a great deal over for like over like ten years now. We've been doing elections, and the mindset that people have has really changed. Even right now, as we are approaching the elections, I see the way people. Um, Look at it. The way the the the, the views of the people is totally different from what they 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 had before, and their mind has really changed. And most people, we believe that you're placed there by God. It's not by your your making or by by your your sense to be a leader. But some of our African leaders have really changed, and that if like that, that is going to make Africa great again. Yeah. Uh, Brother Good point. Good point, Brother John. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, the again, keep in mind, you know how when people have discussions, oftentimes there's one person who never likes conflict, so he says, like, well, look, I think that both of you guys are right. I apologize for my white voice, but I think that both of you guys are right, and this is why. <laughs> but the fact is, the fact is, I, I do believe that both of you, what you stated, is right. And, and here's why. Because if you consider uh, Israel in Egypt, what allowed them to come out of Egypt and then become a nation? It wasn't uh, – God did not deal with Israel as a whole. He dealt with Moses. Moses was the catalyst, him and Aaron, and they came into uh, Egypt, and they spoke to the heads of Israel, 
And then the heads of Israel were like, okay, go ahead and speak. And, and at some point in time, the heads of Israel were upset, especially when they had to make those bricks without the straw and had to go find that and still have to make the same amount of bricks. It, they, they changed their mindset, as Diana stated, but it was a, the catalyst was God through his vehicle, Moses. Same thing if you look back in Nehemiah, when Nehemiah uh, was given the ability to go and, and rebuild Jerusalem, uh, he, the, the, uh, the king at the time, I'm not sure if that was Darius or Zerzes or whomever, but they noticed that he, his countenance had fallen. And it's like, you never look like that. What's wrong? And he's like, well, my people are perishing here. And, and it was the king. Now, obviously, it's different now. It's, this is the, the government of the people by the people. Back then, it wasn't the government of the people by the people. It was the government of the king by the king. And that was the mindset that right. was changed. But it was God. God was the one who used his person, the catalyst, to change the mind of the king. So did, uh, um, what is the name? Not uh, Mordecai Esther. Yes, right. Esther, the mindset of the king. And at that time, that's the only mindset you needed to change. But now, because we are in a, quote, unquote, fake democracy, and I call it fake democracy, because if Satan is the one who told Messiah that if you bow down and worship me, all these kingdoms I will give you, and the Messiah says, no, get you behind me, Satan. Well, mm-hmm. as I've always stated, we know Satan's MO, and he's continued to offer those kingdoms, those points of leadership to, to, to the president, these, state, these heads of state, these, these persons, and they have taken it. And do you actually think that Satan is going to submit himself to our elections? No, he's not. He's going to do everything to make sure that his man is in place. I do not consider these elections. These elections are jokes to me. Um, if, if they can win without lying, cheating, and stealing and, and killing people, then, yeah, they'll do it without it. But if they're going to lose, they're going to put their person in place. And so when I say – when I hear Diana talking about a mindset, I only see that mindset taking place when there's a catalyst that God has basically put into place. We were coming from somewhere the other day, and Diana was talking about this one particular area, and she says, watch. As soon as the elections start, then they're going to go in and start look like they're doing public works and building up the roads or whatever because they're trying to ingratiate themselves to the, to the people so that the people can, quote, unquote, vote for them. And I told her, I said, Diana, every Kenyan knows that. What do you think is going to happen if one Kenyan finally stands up and says, no more? We need to recognize that none of these politicians are for us, and we need to make a change in the way that we do things. The first thing we need to do is get rid of anybody who is backed by the West, backed by their money, backed by their agriculture, backed by their economics, backed by them in any way. We need to get rid of them because they are not for us. In the same way the West has never been for us, they only give the illusion of such. We need to do that. Now, when that person speaks, and, and you all know this, the best comedians are the ones who say what everybody knows but no one has said. And when they say it, everybody busts out laughing. They're laughing at themselves. They're looking at each other. They're laughing at one another because everybody has that look like, yep, 
That's exactly what we do. That when you are able to say what everyone thinks, that's when you'll get your following. And, and the thing is that that person, be it in Kenya, be it in Congo, be it in Ghana, be it in Tanzania or Tanzania as they call it here, that person is there. And, and it, it may not even happen that way. And prophetically, I don't expect it to happen that way. I expect that Satan is going to continue to rule this world and his people are going to be in place until those ten souls mixed with iron and clay in Daniel, until that comes into place. And then the Most High is going to uh, send his son, Jehovah and that kingdom is what's going to break it all down. That's what I believe. And that's prophetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, but if I may, Seth, because again, we haven't eaten, and you know I have my my strict two hour limit, but which I've gone over. But I didn't want to stifle that uh, number uh, one. Uh, 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 and um, hold on, Arlene wants to say something to you. Hold on, Arlene. Yeah. So what you got? A chicken and beer waiting for you or something? <laughs> <laughs> I will not mention chicken and beer on Seth's show. Seth scolded me about <laughs> Church's chicken, my beloved <laughs> Church's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> me and Seth were at odds for at least two shows behind the church of chicken. <laughs> I wish it was some chicken and beer to be had. <laughs> well, listen, to. we'll go but ahead and Seth, wrap it up like you. But uh, I just want to have wait, final wait, words, wait, and we're going to wrap it up. Seth, I have, I have a treat for you. What's you that? Spoke, you spoke a minute ago in reference to Europe, as it were, the people without melanin, as it were, and where they were in relationship to Egypt. And you spoke about the number of dynasties. You said it may have been like 22, 24 dynasties that had already been in place before Europe wrote its right. first book. That book, by the way, is the Iliad and the Odyssey. And so it turns out that my freshman year in high school – what did I read, have to read? The Iliad and the Odyssey. Twenty wow. something odd dynasties. Twenty something odd dynasties Egypt had. And they had libraries, not a book, libraries. They had colleges and universities. They had these already. And what did they have me read? The Iliad and the Odyssey. Then they had me read Gareth and Lynette. Again, another European product. Well, the person whom you may have been quoting was John Clark. Oh, no, 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 not John Clark, the moderator. Dr. John Henrik Clark. You spoke of him some time ago, Seth. And I want yes. you to hear what this man states. I'm, I'm going to try and play this on my computer so y'all can hear it because he was having a debate. And this man spent the greater part of his life doing research on exactly this given topic. And here's what he has to say. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's oh, hear it. He's a man that is confident in his position. And, yes, he smashed the debate. I just want you to hear this one part. Single point I wish to get across before we start anything. Let me know if you can't hear it. I am not here to debate. That's great. That's great. I have devoted all of my adult life to this subject. I only debate with my people. All others I preach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said, 
He's not here to have a debate. He only debates with his equals. Everyone else, he teaches. <laughs> Folks, he already had a problem on the team. They were, they were behind him 100% already. But he's the one that was explaining that Israel, I mean, not Israel, Egypt had, I want to say, 21 dynasties before the Iliad and the Odyssey. Was, that book yes. was written. And he went on to talk yes. about how can the persons who are Johnny come lately, they just came on the scene in the last thousand years or so. Matter of fact, y'all remember when the United States celebrated its uh, bicentennial? That's 200 years? Yes. Called 1976, right. which means that they came to be 1776. 200 years and change. And y'all really, y'all want to run the world? Let me tell you, the only reason that, that you guys have the confidence, that you think that you've got it going on, that you can actually have the wisdom and the understanding to run the world is because of gunpowder and projectiles. You have weaponry. That's all you got. Everything else That's you right. stole. That's what the most I gave you. And you didn't even get the gunpowder. You got that from China. But you, you understood how to put it together, and you've been able to put that weaponry together, and that's how you do it. Everything else you stole, you don't have mathematics, you don't have literature, you don't have agriculture. You steal these things, and then you kill the people you steal it from. Yeah. And then you say, no, that person never existed. I'm the father of mathematics. No, you're not. Build a pyramid and let them get back at me, right? You built that period Absolutely. and holler back. Because y'all ain't been able to pull that off. Y'all ain't been able to pull that off for the whole time of your existence. All right? So I did want to play that for you, Seth, because I found him on YouTube. And I'm like, this is the guy that talking I about. only debate so my equals. I love yeah, it, man. I love that. Seth, what was funny yeah. is that as I continue to listen to the debate, the other panelists that were debating, quote, unquote, with him, they were people – of European ancestry, and they literally feared him. They, they were scared to ask him questions. They, was like they, they were just tentative in their approach because it's like at any time this guy will lash out and put the smack down. And, and the thing is that the crowd was behind him. They didn't clap for nobody but him. Folks, y'all got to go and listen to that debate. What's the exact name of that debate on, on YouTube, please? It's Dr. John Henrik Clark versus Mary Lefkowitz, The Great Debate, 1996, Best Quality. Again, Dr. John Henrik Clark. Hmm? No, go ahead, John Henrik Clark. Okay. Dr. John Henrik Clark versus Mary Lefkowitz, The Great Debate, 1996. And you'll pull him up, folks. And again, y'all got somebody who's just absolutely confident. Quit, he is super competent. By the way, y'all, Johnny the Clark is blind. And so he was, he could see back in the day, but he, he turned blind. And so he's sitting up there, a blind man, making that statement, I only debate my equals, everybody else I teach. And it was a slant in those that come to debate him. And the way they act, John is right. It was totally intimate. I've never seen somebody so intelligent because these were the top debaters in the world coming up against him, and he just embarrassed them. you got to see the debate to see the respect that they gave him. But John Henry Clark is one of the greatest of our minds. There's Schenker Diop and lots and hundreds, if not thousands of Actually, that's not true. There's thousands of others, great minds like Dr. John Henry Clark, but he's one of the 
ones we quote the most. But listen, everybody, we got to wrap this show up. I'm going to let Arlene have words, and we're going to wrap this show up and get final words here from everybody in about uh, less than one minute here. Wow, it's been really a pleasure, John, just to hear your voice, hear your laughter, and hear your knowledge. You know, it's just, it's been too long. I really appreciate hearing you today. And, Diana, um, I just met you, but I feel like we're sisters because some of the things that you shared today are things that I've experienced, things that we're experiencing here in this country. The only difference is uh, I don't believe that my – Original roots are here. You know, my roots are somewhere over there. You know, we could be, you know, related mm-hmm. somehow. I don't know. But I do know that we're related spiritually and we're related in our experience because the things that are happening happening with your people are happening with my people. And so, you know, as sisters, we can uh, – you said you're an activist, so you're already busy doing that work. But just know that in the spiritual realm that there is a kingdom that we're a part of that we can declare, you know, these changes to happen so that our uh, people can begin to rise and and heal ourselves because we have to rise as a a people unified to be a force to be reckoned with, to deal with those who try to oppress us and keep us down. So it was a pleasure to meet you, to hear your heart, and know that you have a sister over here that's praying for the unity of your country. Powerful, Thank you powerful. so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, yes, uh, uh, Sister Diana, we really, really appreciate your input. And uh, I really, really thank you for uh, just being good to our friend John. And, uh, John, you've been good to her. <laughs> but, uh, it, man, it's so good to hear yeah. your voice. We're going to start back doing these shows probably next Saturday. We'll probably do another show. I don't know, y'all. I'll keep y'all in touch. Well, folks, I got to wrap it up. Uh, got to wrap it up, got to wrap it up. Um, just want to thank everybody for your contribution today. I'm going to go out with a song that's really going to put some on our minds. And I really want y'all to listen. Go ahead. If I may, Diana wanted to uh, get a, a quick word in, as, as did I. Is that all right? Yeah, go ahead with final. I was getting ready, I, I was getting ready to go there. Final words, go ahead with uh, – uh, why don't you go first, uh why don't Diana go first, then you, and then Arlene will wrap it up. Actually, Arlene said she already gave her mm-hmm. final words. And so if you can go, John, and then Diana, and then I'll uh, put the cap on it. Okay. Okay. I would want to, to talk, then I hand it over to John. Okay. Is that okay? Say it again. I'm, I'm she says she would just want to speak first, and then she'll give it to me. Um, you're just not used to anybody ever asking you that. You're just used to them doing it. <laughs> you know, you, you know. <laughs> Go ahead, Diana. In Africa, we have protocols. If you would allow me just to speak, then I let 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 it speak. Okay. Also, okay. I, I appreciate uh, the show. You told me about it, but I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared about it, but it's just all the end. Whatever I had, whatever input I had, I shared. But uh, I hope next time will be better, and we will have a great discussion. Whatever the topic will be, but I'm glad to meet you people. I'm glad to have this conversation. You people. You people. 
And, yeah, let us know uh, what the next show may be. We would like to partake of uh, the five smooth stones come next week. So um, I love yeah, the both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people listening in, thank you for uh, kicking it with five smooth stones again. We'll see you next week, hopefully. Well, again, I appreciate you, Diana. I appreciate you, Diana. I appreciate you, Diana. And John Clark, what can I say? The old moderator for the Five Smooth Stone Network, for sure. We'll probably do something next week, but I will be in touch. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this show, everybody. Again, you've been listening to the Five Smooth Stone Network. We, the name of this one is White Supremacy, A Tale of Two Countries, America and uh, USA and Kenya. Uh, dialogue, very informative show. All right, so I'm going to go to Beach and Line, Brother John, and uh, just thank them so much. Folks, listen, we're going to get out of here with a nice song. Please check out this song. This is powerful. Don't hang up, don't hang up, y'all. This song is going to nail it, I promise you. Uh, again, like I say, every single show, I love every single one of you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Stay tuned as to what will happen next week. Y'all, you heard a lot, especially when John was going through the scriptures. He was um, some kind of way, uh, John, I put you on the green room, so I'm going to repeat what I just said. I was just saying stay tuned for this last song, and uh, uh, it's going to be a blessing. It's going to be, it's going to nail down this, uh, the solution for this giant, this global evil uh, philosophy that is just crippling governments and people's minds to their deep psyche. Uh, this song is going to nail it uh, with regards to the solution. Stay tuned, everybody. Uh, see, uh, uh, and just stay tuned to see what we'll do next week. Like I say again, I'm not only repeating this because Brother John was in the green room accidentally. Uh, say every week, I love every single one of you. White people, we're not hating on you. We love you as well, so-called white people. Nothing but love on this show. But white supremacy in the minds of white people and definitely in the minds of black people has got to go. Good night. Comes a time in every believer's life. The trials are going to come. But God said, I'm not going to come with this. So be encouraged. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me?
Oh! 